You guys, we've been talking about Jesus said all year long, and he said whatever you've been given is a gift. He said that you and I have been given life abundantly by him. He said, I came to give them life, and they'd have it more abundantly or to the full, right? And that means that what we've been given is a blessing, and we're blessed to be a blessing. And again, though that's not in my notes, it's definitely part of what we're going to be talking about. I want to remind you that your time, your talents or your abilities, your skill set, those gifts even that the Holy Spirit has given to you, and even your money and your resources are all a gift from God to glorify Him and to bless others, including yourself. You know what's super cool about John's birthday is that he's not making a big deal out of it. But he's been given life and then given new life to be a blessing. And he is. And so are you. Every one of you. And I pray that you would have that second birth if you haven't yet. It's that new life in Jesus Christ. He came that we would know life. Because he is life. So he said that the way is hard. We talked about that last week really quickly. And my mom and dad were watching last uh, week, and they said, Aaron, you've got to repeat what people say because we can't hear it online. And I said, or just come. (laughs) My mom didn't like that so much. (laughs) But she understood it. And it was good good insight. But let let me just ask you guys. What's hard about following Jesus? Anybody? And I'm going to repeat it for my mom. So go ahead. Getting over yourself. (laughs) Okay, yes. Amen. What else? It's countercultural for sure. Yes. Thank you. Obeying. Obeying. What's hard about obeying? Isn't it just come naturally? You should have to sacrifice something. Yes. And it's going to cost. Easy doesn't cost me anything. Oh, gosh. Easy Easy doesn't cost anything, Darcy says. I mean, the message is over. (laughs) But following God, although you get so much more, ultimately, it's pretty costly to begin with. You're right. And the thoughts before I get into what is really the message that I have. He gives us peace in the storm. Although, I will say this, right? And that it's a peace that passes understanding. And a lot of us want to figure it all out. If I don't feel it, if I don't understand it, if I can't explain it, is it real? Oh, gosh. I can't explain Hebrew. I know it's real. I can't explain electricity. I know it's real. I cannot explain the reality of hair that is here and now it's gone but I know that's real and I found it on my back okay but there's just so much we can't explain right and yet God is so very good you guys we talked about how hard isn't just like confusing and difficult to understand hard is actually having it real super clear and just hard to take and hard to apply 
Listen to this that F.F. Bruce said in his book, Hard Sayings of the Bible. One reason for the complaint that Jesus' sayings were hard or his teachings were hard was that he made his followers think. (laughs) He didn't give us a brain, as one teacher said, to keep us from the problem of thinking. He actually has allowed us to think through things. And some of us get this paralysis, right? We're paralyzed by analyzing everything. So we think too much. And so there's a lot of difficulties in life and a lot of difficulties in what Jesus said. But I would ask you to consider not just the complicated things that he said, but the straightforward things that he said that just don't fit because it's tough to obey. It's tough to, to go the narrow path. And we talked about that last week, so we're going to get into this. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Will you guys go to Matthew 16 with me? We're going to start there. We're going to go Matthew 16, 22 and 23. This is the beginning of what we're talking about today, these hard teachings. I'm going to kick to Luke after this. But uh, as a coach, I've been blessed with the opportunity to go multiple times to conferences where they teach you how to coach better. If you're ready for it, right? You have to admit that, oh, I don't know everything, which is super easy for me in so many areas. And then I have my wife and my children that point out what I don't know. Like if Anna's here, she'll tell you I'm still learning how to make crepes, but whatever. But I mean, at this conference, there was this guy named Nate Trotsky, and he told us about getting your mind right. And the way he was talking, I was like, man, this sounds like Jesus. And so I actually went up afterwards and I said, hey, I think you're a Christ follower. And he goes, I sure am. I was like, man, I just saw it. He goes, well, what was it? And I was like, well, you were telling us to get our minds right, G-Y-M-R. And I'll have that on the screen in a second here or in a little bit. But what it was is that it was just dialing into what you can actually do, asking for help what you can't do, and learning from what you did wrong. Rather than try to go fix what you did wrong, you can only say, I was wrong, and please forgive me, and I'm going to learn from that. And you can't worry about what you're not going to be able to do because you're not even there yet. You're right here. And you take in his eyes, you take the pitch, you take the ball, you take the opportunity. And I think this is where Jesus is getting his people's mind right before he gives them a really hard teaching. And we're going to just embrace all that today. Well, at least some of us will. All right, so here we go. Matthew 16, 22. In verse 21, Jesus says that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, all of their religious leaders, he's going to suffer at their hand and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. This would have been the first time they heard Not that the Messiah would suffer. They would have known that their whole lives. It's been the first time they heard that he would suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. And that would have been hard to hear anyways. But Peter, after having said Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, it was a high moment. He's like, "Woo, good job, Pete. Nobody could have gave you that information but the Lord God himself. Good job, Peter. And then he's like, yeah, This amazing Messiah is going to die, but he'll rise again. And Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. 
Can you just for a second? <laughs> the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God in the flesh. And Peter's like, come here. <laughs> and he begins to rebuke God. Now, I know none of us would do that, but he did. Peter. All right. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. There's a big problem if Jesus never would have suffered and died. Anybody want to just quickly say what it is, and I'll repeat it for my mom? We'd all go to hell. That pretty much sums it. He pays the price for our sin. Oh, but no, don't do that. <laughs> Jesus turned to Peter and didn't go, whoa, bro, you're missing it, the whole point. No, he turned to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Who wants to be called Satan? That's a bad nickname. That's a bad thing. But he's like, get behind me, Satan. He's rebuking Satan. He's rebuking satanic thought. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Whew. Let's sit for a second, church. You're setting your mind on the things of man, not the things of God. He's calling out his people. And what's he calling them to? Getting their mind right. G-Y-M-R. I asked some of my baseball players, write that somewhere where you can see it. Get your mind right. Get into the, the, the moment, right? Breathe and then react. Like, look, you only have this moment. Well, Jesus is saying, look, the moment is before you. I am going to suffer. As a matter of fact, R.C. Sproul said it like this. If the Christ to whom you're responding is a Christ without suffering, without atonement, without being in the flesh and dealing with our things like we did and do, he is a Christ that isn't a Messiah, and he's not a biblical Christ. No suffering. Far be it from you, Lord. Oh, no, no. I need to suffer, and you need me to suffer. Let's go then to Luke 9. Right after all of this, where he gets their minds right, or attempts to, right? And I say attempt to, it's not like God can't do things, but he limited himself. He did not make little robots. You and I have to choose. And so he's like, get your mind right. Don't be thinking about the things of man. Think about the things of God. And then in Luke 9, 23, he says to all of them, if any would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is a tough teaching. Part of it is like, if I take up my cross and I follow, what, what is my cross? Do I physically take up a cross like some of these human beings that have walked across countries? trying to bring attention to suffering? Am I supposed to bring, it's like a literal cross? 
is a figurative one. We even have a phrase, right? It's a cross to bear. You know what we make that out to be? Everyday suffering that all of us have. Sickness. Relational problems. Financial issues. There's unemployment. Underemployment. Stinking taxes. Oh, it's my cross to bear. And Tommy's got a gorgeous face, so that's his cross to bear, right? So <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> look, look at me. Oh, suffering for Jesus. <laughs> that's not what Jesus means, though, is basic suffering. It's hard and it's tough, and we all have to go through it. But he says, if you're going to follow after him, you're going to be like him, you're going to go in his footsteps, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross daily and follow him. You're dying to yourself. This is a daily death sentence to follow Jesus. This is actually choosing something that isn't easy. Although we want comfort, we need comfort, we believe. Listen to what denying yourself looks like. Not thinking of your own good first. Not never thinking of Jesus said, right? The second most important commandment was what? Yeah, love your neighbors, you love yourself. You're tied for a second. How often do you leapfrog that though? <laughs> God, well, you take a number. People, take a number. I got to do me. We even go so far as to say, have you ever been on a plane and they give you the little oxygen speech? You got to take care of yourself first. Then you take care of them. It's, it's normal. Yes and no. Look, I'm going to get some oxygen real quick. Six months later. I've got my oxygen going here. Right? I mean, it's just so often we're like, I gotta take care of me. I gotta be comfortable. If I can't love me, then I can't love others. Seems to be some truth there. What do we do with the hard teaching of Jesus saying you gotta deny yourself? It's between you and Him first. Quit being the king. Crown don't fit, take it off, don't wear it. I know the way, the truth, the life, and I'm gonna share it. Gee, okay, I'm done. All right. <laughs> But denying yourself, it wasn't a very popular message back then. And boy, is it unpopular now. You legit, I legit need to be willing to die. Like eventually, I think in our circles, in our country, we're going to have to die for our faith. That's coming. But it's not quite here yet. But dying to ourselves that's a daily thing. I mean, even use the word daily. You know the problem with the word daily? It's every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> I only went to college for one year. Surprise. You guys, on September 10th, you know what we're doing? You guys remember? Baptisms. What's that a picture of? 
<laughs> dying to yourself. This is saying, I am dead, going into the water just like Jesus went into the grave. Romans 6 talks about this. Laying down your lives and then coming up out of the water is new life in Christ. New management. I may physically look the same, but I'm under new management. And all of you gets baptized. If some of you have put that off because you're like, well, i got to be right for... As the old saying goes, you don't clean the fish before you catch them. You get them, and then you clean them. You come to Jesus for your life to be full, complete, full, and right, and you die to yourself. I invite you to consider that. I invite you to recognize not just baptism, but the giving into, giving up to, the denying of yourself, the taking up of your cross, the following Jesus. What did he say was going to happen to him before he read this? Or before he taught this? What did he say was going to happen? He would suffer. At the hands of the people who should be celebrating him and rejoicing in him. He was going to die. But he was going to rise from the dead. I mean, Peter got that enough to be like, mm-mm. That's not how you're going to do it. <laughs> Again, this is kind of low-hanging fruit, but have you ever told God, mm-mm, that's not how we're going to do it? That's why this is a hard teaching. I don't like to do things that make me uncomfortable. Anybody not have air conditioning in their house? You did last week? Oh, nice. You guys got AC? Outstanding. Oh. Here we go. Nice. Congratulations. We hate being uncomfortable is the whole point. We hate it. So this is like especially amazing for Americans. Like we just don't want problems. And in so doing, we create so many more. Take him at his word. I'm going to jump because we have a lot more to talk about. Luke 9, 24 through 26. So he says, anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me daily. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This sounds confusing. It almost gets Dr. Seuss ish. Wait a minute. Okay, so save my life, I lose it. And if I lose my life for the sake of Jesus, I'll save it. Huh? It is what it is right here in front of us. You try to cling to you being in charge and you having no problems and you figuring that out on your own, that's a problem. You are actually going to lose your life. But you give yourself over to the Lord, to his leadership. You deny yourself. You suffer, and you find your life. There's an ease there that he's trying to give us. There's a freedom. He's trying to say, look, you don't have to be caught up. You be in the world, but not of it, like he says. Verse 25 says, for what does it profit? What an amazing word. What do you gain? What is your profit? 
if you gain the whole world and lose or forfeit yourself. So often, I've thought of that phrase, money can't buy you happiness. And yet we strive for it so desperately. It can't buy me happiness, but it can pay the bills. Money can't buy me happiness, but it does make me more comfortable. Money can't buy happiness, but I'm willing to give it another shot. I'm in the same world that you are. What does it profit us, though, Jesus says, if you gain the whole world and lose or forfeit yourself? Other translation for himself is soul. Like you can have everything and not have Jesus, and you're poor. And I love it, and I think you all agree, and the heads were nodding, and there's some, hmm, and maybe if we're a little, like, less bound up, we'd say, amen, preach, come on, right? But, but we're not there yet. We'll get there. It's only 16 years in. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> but seriously, though, we agree with that, and yet we're the richest nation that's ever existed. The poorest people here are richer than most of the world. We may be poor here still, but boy, we got a lot. And so we're like, yeah, it's richness in Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what true riches are. I would just ask you right now, before we're done, does your life look like Jesus is your profit, your value? This isn't a guilt trip. This is a legit family question. Because I can tell you, there are embarrassingly times in my life where I will look to help somebody hoping I get something in return. Whether it's money, resources, adulation, my profit would look more like what they gave me than to actually give my life in an expenditure to help somebody just for that joy alone. It was quite a while ago that God put on my heart that it's kind of, um, for me, it's borderline gross to get paid for helping people with memorial services. I know that it's really valuable to the family, and I love that. And I know that it is something that not a lot of people can do or want to do, and I love that God has allowed me to do that. But I watched, and I was just reminding Kathy of this this week. I was offered a job with a, a funeral home that would have started at $100,000 which is significantly more than I make now, and this offer was about 10 years ago. Like, come and just be this chaplain and, and love on the family and, and help them with all of their needs and upsell them. You know what that means, right? Like, here's what you're looking at. Here's what you really need. I was like, no, thank you. I'm good. 
Like, I can sleep at night. Again, there's things that are needed, and a workman's do his wages, but, like, now that coffin, that's not what your mom would like. I may have the ability to do that, but praise God, I don't have the heart to do that. That's a transformation thing. And that felt like a real clear, oh, man, no way. And so I've told people, like, legit, please don't pay me. If you're really wanting to give something, give it to your favorite, like, charity. You could give it to Crosswater if you want, but I'm not going to take money from it. I just want to bless you and love you. That's one good area in my life. <sighs> don't let this pastor try to make you think, I got all my poop in a group. Because <laughs> I don't. This next one is where it really hits. If that one felt convicting to me, this next one is it. Jesus says, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words. Jesus said, all your focus. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man, the Messiah himself, be ashamed. When he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father, and of the holy angels. I was looking desperately for some like, gosh, there's got to be some real clear teaching where he's not saying, look, if you're ashamed of him, that you can't be saved. I don't know that that's what this is, and I'm telling you right now, brother to brother, brother to sister, man to humanity right here before me, I don't fully know if that's what he's saying what I do know is very clearly, he says, if you're ashamed of him and his words, he'll be ashamed of you when he comes back. I don't want that. Shame's a mess. Shame can be really good to wake you up. But shame itself and being ashamed of God and what he says is right and what's good, that is a trap. As a matter of fact, it made me think of this all week long. Shame is a monkey trap. You remember that, right? Really quickly, just rudimentary, they would have a gourd, okay? And it's got a little bit of a hole that a monkey can fit his hand through, and they would just put rice in there or something shiny in there. And the monkey would reach in, grab the rice or grab whatever's shiny, and keep the fist. And the fist wouldn't fit through the hole. And they get stuck and they can't run away when they get chased. They get caught and whatever happens to them. Put in a zoo, eaten, trained, I don't know. But shame is that way. We feel it and then we hang on to it. We hear these teachings from Jesus like, oh, I don't want him to be ashamed of me. I feel so ashamed. And then you don't repent. You don't change anything. You just feel kind of bad right now. Man, it's August and I came to church. Why? Just so I could feel ashamed? No, hopefully to be awakened and to go, wait a minute, I don't need that. That's going to catch me up. It's going to trap me. Okay, that's staying on the ground. There we go. You guys might remember this. I want to try to give help and not just conviction or shame. Shame should actually lead to repentance. 
Join me really quick, if you will, in 2 Corinthians 7.10. What can I do? I've been ashamed. I've, I've hung on to stuff. I've wanted my stuff for me and my family. I haven't thought of other people who are struggling. I haven't daily taken up my cross, denied myself. I've been ashamed of what Jesus says is right and wrong about sexuality, about finances, about marriage. I've been so to myself, but I don't want to anymore. How can I let go of that? Glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly grief, shame, sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So before I read the rest of the bad news, this good news is I can repent. Lord, today, a line in the sand for me is that I would submit to you. I wouldn't be ashamed of you. I would take up my cross. I would die to myself. I would suffer and struggle knowing, Lord, that you are going to raise my head. And I repent of being ashamed and embarrassed, worried, trying to hide you like we hide a, an embarrassing family member. Father, would you forgive me and help me today to walk that out, to live for you unashamed with no regret. I feel terrible for what I've done, and I repent of it, and I come to you. Thank you for life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Or you just feel really bad, no repentance, and it produces death. Death between you and God and you and others, you and yourself. How could I be so far away? Because you haven't turned around. You haven't taken the one who actually came for you at his word. Which leads me to the one passage that Jesus said what his heart was like. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I'm speaking of memorial services often. This is what comes to my mind. Thinking of our niece and the pain that she went through and what she died in. Made me think, oh, Lord, could she have just come to you knowing how good you are? Come back to you knowing how good you are. So in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus says this about himself. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. You know, heavy laden, got just the load, and it feels so heavy. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is a hint. Yoke means teaching. In his day and age, that's what a teacher's yoke was his teaching. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Woo! This is a little something different. Now, wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to just do hard stuff. Oh, he did all the hard stuff for us, like take his teaching. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come, take, learn, find, rest for your souls. This is who Jesus is. Is he going to suffer? Yeah. He didn't just intend for us to remember 
his teaching, but actually live it out. Again, we learn how to build our lives on him like we talked about last week. But it doesn't mean it's all going to be easy and gravy and no pain. As a matter of fact, it's still going to be uncomfortable. Jesus said something fascinating at the end of this passage here. And it's verse 27. I'd love to read it with you and for you. But I tell you truly, he says, and I love that. He's just talking to a bunch of humans. He's like, I'm telling you the truth, and which is super powerful because Jesus is the truth. It's super redundant, but I think we need it. He says, I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. There's people right here around me that are going to see the kingdom of God. And some people have just debated what in the world does that mean? If you keep going, there's this thing called the transfiguration where he takes just a few guys up the mountain and Jesus transfigures right before them. Moses. And who's the other one? Thank you. Elijah and him. Moses and Elijah representing like the law and the prophets, the whole entire Bible. And he's talking with them. And Peter's like, oh, oh, this is amazing. We shouldn't even be here, but we are. Let us make you like some little temples. And God's like, shut it, Pete. (laughs) Stop. I think that's for sure the kingdom. Like they're seeing him in his glory. There's the only time he just let the cat out of the bag. (laughs) Like, here I am. You guys can't even handle how awesome I am. And they couldn't. And he's like, okay, I'll be quiet, sorry. I think that's it. I also think his death, how he died, his resurrection, his ascension, all pictures of the kingdom. And so they see these things, and yet they still suffered. After this, after all these things, after the glory of God working through them, them healing people, raising people from the dead, casting out demons, preaching the good news all over the world. And that's a heads up to us. It's going to happen. The kingdom's coming. His will will be done, and you are going to suffer. It's going to happen. And he's right there with us through all of it. And so the final passage that I want to share with you is from 1 John 2, 28 and 29. Right before we talk about what it means to follow the Lord. And now, little children, abide in him. That means build a home there, live there in Jesus. You call yourself Christian, you're going to be like Christ. That's going to be to suffer and to be victorious simultaneously. That's weird. I know. It's hard to understand. I know. It's promised that he'll be with you. Yeah, I know. Okay, cool. So now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence. Not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness, lives it out, does this as a lifestyle 
has been born of him. Happy birthday, John. I'm so glad you were born twice. I'm so glad that so many of you have been, but today may be the day that the person in this room or the people in this room who haven't been born again would be born again. And so I offer up to you a move towards Jesus. As one of my pastors, Pastor Jan Hedding, has said so many times, don't forget in the dark what you learned in the light. There's some tough stuff coming. But God is still God, and he's still good. So how do you move towards him? Some of you repent straight up of being the king of your life, holding on to it, trying to save it, and you've lost it, and now you're ready to lose it to him. Lord Jesus, I follow you. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. I want you. Forgive me. And he does. He's giving you faith for salvation. Many of you have already done that, and so living boldly for Jesus is where the struggle is now. You've gotten really comfortable. You've gotten really into a rut or into a groove, maybe is the way you want to word it, and, and today's the day. You're like, oh, gosh, I, I've been afraid and ashamed and embarrassed, and no more. I repent of that. I, I turn back to you. Every day I take up my cross and deny myself. It's all about you, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, I, I want more of you and less of me. And some of you, gloriously, this is your lifestyle, but you've grown a little bit hardened to the fact that the people you've been praying for, the people you've been showing Jesus to are not changing. And you feel like a failure or you feel like, where are you at, God? These are all legitimate feelings But I'm going to ask you that today you would take up your cross. You would deny yourself. You would follow Jesus and believe that he gave you the seed, he gave you the water, and he makes it grow. That you believe that he's got something so much greater. If nothing else, that you would be closer to him because you need him so much. But let's believe that he wants people to be saved. He wants people to be set free from those hardships and those strongholds. He said, follow me, and he said, the way is hard. And he said that he would always be with us. Jesus, I believe that, and I trust you. I lift up my whole family to you, my friends to you. I lift up those who I don't even know, Lord. I just pray for people all over the world, but especially those who are suffering in hardships for their faith, and then everyday hardships, death, destruction, disease, natural disasters that are coming or have already come. Jesus, we pray for those who are in the way of fire and flames in eastern Washington and Canada and just across the country, across the world. We ask, Jesus, for people to step in and to help one another, take better care of the world that you've given us, take better care of each other. We ask for the boldness to stand up to be your people in such a time as this. God, people are saying that it looks like the world's come to an end. Well, it's a great time to follow Jesus. So I pray that we would do so and help others to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.